I've thought about this a lot. Like I know I'm pretty much an idiot and do some dumb <laughs> stuff, but in the time that we roped, it seemed like I was good for doing something completely stupid. Like, like I would look at it and be like, man, that was dumb. <laughs> Every probably seven to 10 days, I would do something stupid <laughs> in front of you. And I was like, man, this is the last guy I need to be able to like <laughs> get some ammunition. I'm making fun of me. So that, that was really fun. I enjoyed that. It was a lot of fun. Shoot. I mean, it's hard to believe that was seven years ago. That's what I was talking really about the other day. Told her I was coming over here and it's like, it's hard to believe that was seven years ago when we roped. It really doesn't seem like it's that long ago, but it was a lot of fun. Shoot. We yeah. both, I was green, green, you know, and still, still don't have all the answers, but didn't have very many answers back then. And we were both just kind of figuring it out. You know, we had a game plan, two guys that were trying to figure out this game of team roping. And I think we, I mean, everybody still, still is. It's a never ending process, but man, it was a lot of fun. I wouldn't trade the time that we roped for anything. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. I think the one thing like I, I got out of it pretty fast was like, uh, a run a team can mm -hmm. make and how like horses can fit and how piecing that together because I, I was at the spot where i had older horses but i really only had the black that could take a lot of runs but right. he was pretty weak on the wall and hard mm -hmm. to like ride in, in a lot of situations but i did notice that when i got to him behind you know with your heel horse behind it was like it kind of changed our run completely yeah and I was like, okay, that's something I, I like. I've always, it's kind of always stuck with me, like yeah. how that could, how that well, could kind of happen. And I'll never forget your dad saying something that's, that stuck with me for a long time. He said it, it was, you know, we started roping and kind of hit and missed, didn't really win a whole lot in the winter and got out there in the spring and I mean, just kind of took turns messing up. And then we got, got on a roll and your dad said something. He said, it's, it's, nice to see it on paper you know you you think you can hang you know you can hang but whenever you start seeing your name in the results and that was the most i had ever won whenever me and you started clicking at the pro rodeos we started winning it was just almost like and i can do this you know and i'll never i'll never forget when chris said you know said something about two weeks after we'd been winning a lot he's like you know if you didn't already think you could at least you see on paper you know you can you can hang you can do this and that's something that I felt like I could build off of right, know, right. something that stuck with me. Yeah. So speaking of dads kind of giving, giving talks, uh, this one stayed with me a ton and I, I wanted to, to kind of dive into this a little bit with like, let's, let's talk a little bit about your dad. He, you know, has made the NFR. Mm -hmm. How many times? You twice. Got, made yeah. it twice. So your dad got the, the rodeo experience and kind of, right. you know, you, so you've kind of got to see that from, like watching him go through it a little bit and mm -hmm. then also get getting advice from him. Uh, I remember you telling the story about missing the last one in the practice session yep. with your dad. Will you tell me that story? Yeah, I, uh, it happened when I was back whenever I was heading and it's something that my dad is very, and that's something I've tried to take from him. I mean, I think there's, everybody's got their own avenue and you take a little from everybody, but something that my dad is, and I've tried to make myself be the same is, very mentally strong you got to be mentally tough is what is what we call it is what i would call it and practicing and i mean you got to you got to run lots of steers to to get a feel for everything but one time we were roping when i was young i bet mean, i was 10 12 years old and it stuck with me ever since 
we were practicing and, you know, had a pretty good day or whatever, was roping pretty good. And I missed the last one. We we're going to rope the last one and be done. And I missed the last one. And I said, man, let's bring them back up. I don't, I don't want to end on a, end on a miss. And he stopped right there and he said, and it's something that I still go by today. He said, if you're wanting to work, if your horse needs the run or need, you need to show something as far as your horse, that's fine. But if you're wanting to come back and rope that steer just for your confidence, you know, wanting to end on, end on a catch, you're not mentally tough enough. If you can't miss the last one and know that without a doubt, you're going to catch the next one. You right. shouldn't have to have caught the last one to believe in your mind that you can catch the next one. And that's something that stuck with me. I mean, you know, I, I've gotten a lot of looks from a lot of partners over the, over the years, you know, I missed the last one or whatever. And guys, but Hey, you want to, you want to bring them back? And if my horse felt good and everything, no, I shouldn't have to, I shouldn't have to bring them back and rope another one just to be able to sleep that night. Because if you can't, can't be any more mentally tough than that then you're not ready to go to the roping or go you know or try to make a living doing this well and and just to be able to ad adopt that in rodeo yeah it's it's a huge thing to have that throughout yep. a whole career you know or a whole summer yeah you know to understand that because it's going to happen you know yep. you're, you're going to have a lot of steers that you're going to want back yep but you gotta you've got 12 hour drives that you yeah. get to kind of think about them. And so to, to take those the right way, yep. it's very similar to doing that in the practice pen. And, and I'll be honest, um, I don't think we were roping at the time when you, you had told me this story, mm -hmm. but ever since then, I, I kind of, I, I thought about it even more. I was like, well, when I'm practicing and I miss a steer, I kind of want to forget about the misses and go run a lot. But then I'm like, well, what's going to teach me more right. missing or, or catching? And I kind of go the opposite way. I'm like, don't, don't sleep on these misses. Like yeah. be okay with missing in the practice bin. Don't ever want it. I don't want it to happen. Okay. But when they do happen, I'm like, all right, this was good. Why did I miss this steer? Is this something? And I can kind of address yeah. certain things and make little tweaks. And, and I kind of, I felt like that has really allowed me to to kind of just that same philosophy as far as like a failure or a, a miss at the time yep. and, and really being able to turn it into, all right, how do we correct it? Yeah. How do we know that we're going to get the next one? Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's, there's something to be learned from when you miss, but, but to but to have that mindset of being you know having to catch the last one to feel good enough to be able to catch the next one that's the wrong mindset and that's something that I've took on and I you know if people come do lessons with me or anything like that's something that I tell them that's something I tell myself all the time is you know how to you know how to catch you knew what you did wrong let it be that I mean there's no point in putting more into it you know and having to be ending on a, on a catch to feel like you can catch the next one. Well, and it just goes to show you, it doesn't matter how good you've been roping or how bad you've been roping. That yeah. doesn't, doesn't, catch, doesn't affect the next one. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter how, how good you've roped that day or how bad, how many you've missed that week at all the rodeos, that next run, that has no bearing on the next one. And so you, you need to be able to mentally put that behind you and treat this steer for what it is. You're trying to beat this steer in the chute. What you did on the last one, I mean, the steer in the chute don't have anything don't know what happened the time before your horse don't really know what happened the time before it's all in your head. And so you might as well put that behind you and go on. Well, and I think to be, 
I think to be at a high, like a high level in competition, you have to be in the moment. You have to be in a reactive state. Yeah. And and then I think even for you, you're you're an aggressive healer, anyways, right? So you you're going to want to react more. And so, mm -hmm. what has kind of helped you, uh, kind of become that as far as a healer and kind of find your own way and your own style, but like trust the the your reactions, you know, yeah. like your muscle memory there. I you know. I'll, I, I still remember this. I'll, I'll never forget. It was when I was roping with you and we were at Sheridan, Wyoming. I'll never forget. The first one, you spin me a good one on the first one. And I, I don't remember what happens. I miss or I rope a leg. And I'd always tried to, you know, before then I'd had a, an approach of not necessarily just catch, but I wanted to catch a lot of steers by two feet, you know, and, and, more of the catcher mind frame and i don't remember i remember you turned me and i'll i mean you turned me a good steer and i was not aggressive enough and i messed up because of it and i remember riding out the arena telling myself i am i'm not doing that anymore i'm, I'm not if i'm gonna make it doing what i had hoped to do my whole life to rodeo for a living if i fail so be it, but I'm going to go down swinging, you know, and not necessarily just throwing, you know, on in the turn, no matter what, but having an aggressive approach. And that second round, you spend me another one. We make a great run. We place in the second round on Sheridan on a steer that was a little bit stronger and I healed him fast. And I remember from that point in my mind, I mean, I've screwed up a lot and I've messed up being too timid in, in certain situations but being an aggressive looking for a throw in the turn has helped my healing so much more and i feel like it progressed at a faster rate than it had been just because i had the right mental approach of getting in there you know getting to a good spot looking for a throw and if it's the first jump set it down where my mind frame before that was kind of more Oh, there was a throw. I'll just wait one more, you know, take one more swing, make sure. And that was just costing me. And I would felt like I was spinning my wheels and not getting better at a rate that I needed to. And it's, you know, I still screw up and still screw up for certain reasons, whether it's being too aggressive or not aggressive in certain situations. But I felt like that, that day when I rode out of the, in the slack at Sheridan, Wyoming, 2016, Rome with you, when I rode out, it's like, I am not. I made a decision as I'm not going to be that guy that doesn't make it because he didn't go about it the right way. And, and it, and for me, it's crazy how everything works better. My horses started working better. Whenever you start putting them up there in a spot where they have to get on their butt to get around there, to make the turn, to get behind them, everything started clicking better. And my <laughs> grand, my dad had been trying to tell me that for a long time, <laughs> but I guess it just took getting it through my thick head, you know, that, I, it, it took me some time to figure that out on my own. And once I started realizing and putting myself in those situations, it started to click. And I mean, it's not like I went on and made the finals from there on or the next year or nothing like that. I mean, I, I went several more years before I even made the finals the first time, but I felt like my healing was progressing, but it progressed faster at that point because I had the right mindset. Well, and that foundation of who you like want to be as a healer and like mm -hmm. how it makes sense to you. Cause I think that's the other thing is as a competitor, you got to 
like when you show your rope, it's got to make sense. Yeah. Because you got to be able to live with those misses, right? Yeah. And and for me, like that's probably why I never have teetered on the end of being like super aggressive and wanting to throw all my rope because mm -hmm. it just doesn't make sense to me, right? Yeah. I can't live with myself with those shots. But uh, I think that's I think that's understanding like your personality, mm -hmm. how you want to win, how you want to lose, and then being able to be true to, yeah. to that shot. Like I, I I can live with that cut. I just yeah. Should, sure. Should we tell him that I fell off the next day at, at Casper? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of forgot about that. I wasn't. Oh, you were safe. That story was safe. I wasn't even gonna. When you said Sheridan, I, I was like, I fell off the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. I thought you were gonna talk about whenever you fell off at my house. No, I fell oh, off. Whoops. There, there, <laughs> fell off there too. Scorpion. Scorpion there. Scorpion. Yeah, that's right. Tell you what. Yeah, that. Well, that I forgot about the Casper one. I thought I was gonna see if you brought up the one at my house, but you know, I guess both stories are out there. Now. I'm sure there's a few more that we'll <laughs> think about it. But I'll I'll tell the story at Casper because um, that was it was kind of a unique feeling, right? I had just started riding the black horse. I'd kind of rode the other one for a little bit, and uh, and then it just seemed like the run completely changed for us when I got on this horse, and uh, and that day I felt like I spun two of the better steers that I had spun all year yeah. uh, for you. I don't think I'd really turned a few in a row or even had mm -hmm. many good spins for you at that point. But then the next morning we're at Casper, it's kind of a weird deal. It's like one and a short. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, we're right at the front and I see what I think is the start. And this horse of mine can run and those boxes are deep and everyone yells, yeah. And I head the steer and you heal him. And when I face, I'm like, we just freaking won the round. Like I mm -hmm. know. And then I see like, oh, plus 10. And I see that and I kind of roll my head back at the same time, like, cause everyone of you like, yeah, you're out. <laughs> and I didn't realize that uh, the rope got stuck underneath uh, my horn. Yeah. And this black, he doesn't like to stay face for very long. He's, he doesn't even really like to pull. Yeah. So he spins his butt back into the rope. And then pretty soon I'm wrapped up in the rope and, uh, you know, uh, he's bucking and I, I get bucked off easy. Like yeah. it's still to this day, if they buck, I fall off, but I'm wrapped up in the rope enough that I can't get bucked can't, off. Yeah. I, and I remember it as soon as I undallied and I see the steer step out of my loop is whenever I see what all's going down. It's like, man, if I could have just realized what was going down and maybe at least held the steer, yeah. I think I could have saved you. You should have like, stayed dallied. It's like, man, as soon as I saw him out of my loop, I looked up and you were on your own. And I mean, I got bucked off decent. Yeah, he did. Uh, horse got jerked down. Caleb mm -hmm. was the next team up, Driggers, and he like blows through the barrier, runs, and he's gonna cut cut my horse free. Well, he like pulls his glove off, and he had to borrow a glove because he lost his <laughs> all the way over. But yeah, that was uh, is funny though because that's like in a nutshell that was rodeo, and like I went yeah. from like I think we just won the the round at Casper right. to Al and I broke out to win the round, and I'm getting bucked off. Yeah, getting bucked off. The highs and the lows. Yeah, that was quite the day. Uh, all right. Well, one thing that I think was really unique with your heel horses have been special. And uh, and I got ahead for Drago at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like He was a little bit green when I got to start heading for him. Yeah, pretty very green. And there was a time, which, by the way, I couldn't have been any more wrong. I've told you this a lot, but I will say it. Uh, I mean, it's obvious. But there was a time I was like, hey. You had another heel horse mm -hmm. called Pop Tart, yeah, and uh, Little Roan, and I was like, "Hey, I I like heading for the other horse better." Yeah, and I think she was just a little further along. Yeah. Um, anyways, 
but you we had this talk and i thought it was a good a good discussion and i think it's probably one of the like one of the things i think is really unique and i don't know what it ended up doing for you guys but for me like it it did show like it's like partners could go this is like a realistic thing because i wasn't comfortable with like hey this is where it's at like i feel mm -hmm. like this run isn't being made and then you're like well i think this heel horse has got it mm -hmm. and he feels great and you're like give me some time i'm like all right well let's practice let's do whatever we need to do mm -hmm. and we ended up making runs and and kind of working through it in and i don't know that it was like a lot like it didn't seem like we did a lot but it was mm -hmm. enough but i do remember you telling me hey this i think this horse is special yeah so what was it at that point that you felt with this horse like you know it's it's something that he when i when i bought him he had been started and maybe been to which hold on this is drago that we're talking mm -hmm. about one heel horse of the year two years in a row yep. like you know this is obviously an all-time heel horse at this point right? yeah he uh when i bought him he was just just started had been healed off of some but i had to kind of reprogram him a little bit wasn't really probably going working the right way and so when we first started roping or when we were roping he was kind of in that transition stage where every now and then and i'm it wasn't like i was the greatest trainer or anything you know i didn't didn't know near as much then as i do now but whenever he would work kind of the way i wanted him to work i felt like he was he was so good at at giving you a throw no matter what he's always been one that's been super forgiving not looking to take a throw away and still to this day that's what makes him still what allows him to be great in my opinion is you can put him in a tough spot and he's still going to give you a, a throw granted then he was green and very inconsistent you know and sometimes he would revert back to his old ways but you know he he was always one that he wasn't a rocket he couldn't he couldn't run as fast as some heel horses but he took the shortest path i mean he's always been one that if one stepped to the left or did anything i would call him above average speed but i mean the moment you asked him to move he didn't fight you for a stride before you broke him over or you know be late to react to a certain situation he would go right then take the shortest path that you want him to take and and then just curl his head out of the way and was you know if that's one thing about him is you can throw on the first jump 10 times in a row, come around there on the 11th one, tell him you're going to throw and then decide not to. And he would just stay right there with you, you know, and not, not cut you off. And then I just had that feeling that I knew I could get to where I wanted to be. Now, whether he would, you know, kind of revert back to his old ways in the turn and, and get in the way sometimes maybe, but I knew that, if I could just show him and and that summer he came such a long ways at the beginning of 2016 to at the end of the year I almost made the finals on him he was he had came such a long ways in two months three months just because he got kind of got out there and got to get in a rhythm and got just needed the runs and once he got the runs kind of once he figured out what a guy was looking for he's never been anything but willing to please the whole time and think that's what's made him made him special there's got there's horses that can run faster there's horses that can slide further but there is not one that is looking to help you catch the steer more than him right 
How does uh, the voting work for the PRCA, like the heel horse? Yeah, the top, the at the end of the year, the top 25, I believe the top 25 healers vote. You get three votes. You get uh, three points, two points, and one. Three, obviously, being two, for your first place vote, second for two, and one point for your third. And 2020, he split it. He tied for first with... Uh, Brady Miners, Shug. And I had nominated him maybe a year before that. He didn't, didn't place in the top three. And I nominated him in 20. I thought he was good. And I honestly didn't... When I started out on my career, I honestly never... Me and Brady were talking about this the other day. I never thought that I would get to have or own... A heel horse of the year. I mean, I, I just, that was something that I always felt was unattainable. You know, I didn't ever really think that I was going to be a, a good enough or be lucky enough to come across those horses. I just hoped that I would have good enough horses to be able to reach my goals of making a living, making the NFR. And I think nothing short other than God's plan had a different, had a different route for me, you know, and Bless me with Drago. And when I got Drago at the time, I didn't have nothing else. When I bought him, I had sold my horse that I had won the college finals on the day before. Sold him to a guy and didn't have anything else. And the very next day, Rusty Hennard, who owned Drago, who I tried to buy Drago for five years before that, and he never would sell him, called me and said, I'll let you, let you try him. And that's nothing short than God having a plan. And... Picked him up, didn't have anything else. Went to went to uh, the Northwest and rode him for Brady Trine in the Northwest. He'd never been nowhere, and I just took him and and so anyway. But yeah, they they just kind of went on from there. And the he won it in twenty. The top twenty five guys thought that he was the best horse, and he split it with Powder. And that was that caught me completely off guard. I had nominated him, but I didn't think that right. That I'd win, you know. I just didn't ever really think that was a possibility. And he won it. And then in 21, I rode with Coleman. That was the first year I rode with Coleman. And he was, in my opinion, no different than he had been the last three or four years. I thought he I thought he had been a very good horse up, you know, before that, a couple years before that. And he was he was lights out and you know, even even after he had won it in 20, when I nominated him in 21, I just don't, I don't ever expect, you, know, you can't count on stuff like that because there's so many good horses. You know, there's a lot of guys that ride nice horses and everybody's got their own opinion. And I'm never, I'm not going to be one that tries to shove my horse in front of people trying to, you know, trying to push him. I, I just, from the get go, if if I wanted guys, if guys thought he was a good a good horse, then vote on him. If you if you didn't think he was one of the top three, then don't. And I'm one hundred percent fine with it. And I was just very surprised and very happy, obviously, but that he won it in twenty one, won it outright in twenty one, and you know, that was awesome. I mean, it was that was it was very cool, very cool. It's one of those things too, like. I think it takes a while for the reputation of the horse to be built up. Yep. 
And then once they've got that reputation, well, guys kind of watch it a little bit more. Right. And, and I think that's the that's the other thing that kind of makes it tough too. Is like all these guys are voting on it. Well, they might not be up the same as you hardly yeah. ever. And, yeah. and, and it just kind of makes for like this weird situation. But when you do get to like, realize, all right, this horse is doing this and you can kind of start, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you get to pay attention. And, and I, think I that's, and I realized he was kind of getting more recognized, you know, 19, 20, whenever guys would call you asking riding, you know, yeah. like if they were, you know, <laughs> when your guys were flying in and I'm just a nobody. I mean, not that I am somebody now, but I, I, I was just a no, just a kid out there trying to, figure out his way trying to make the nfr for the first time and you got guys that have made the finals six eight ten times that are calling you to ride your horse if they're flying in that's whenever you realize might be onto something here yeah. might have something that's you know that's right. decent so and and there's been a lot of guys that have rode him and a lot of guys have won on him you know uh there's probably nobody that's rode him more than joseph harrison and if joseph i mean we all know joseph's had some very good horses. I mean, he knows what a good one is. And he says he's one of, you know, that was his pick. I mean, I buddied with him one year, but even other other years where we weren't buddying, he would call me, you know, wanting to ride Drago if and me he had green light to ride him whenever. I still haven't got my and now and now he's hung it up. I don't know if I'm ever gonna get my <laughs> my rides back on his horse, but no, it's that it means something when those guys are asking to to ride your horse. You know you probably got something special. Yeah, I'm sure Joseph will pop back up on uh, something that's okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll figure out. Either that or he's going to have to sell me something for, you know, cheap. Do you a favor. Yeah, do a favor. That's right, buddy favor. A little solid there. Uh-huh. So making it healing. I think making it healing is so much harder than to make it heading. Just just because you can heal great. Like e- even like you and I, when I think when we wrote, I, I think you healed probably a lot better than what everyone knew, but I had it just okay enough to like, keep going rodeo on right like but it's not like you get to turn in mm-hmm. a bunch of times and so as a, as a healer you've kind of got to have that that mentality of you don't get a lot of opportunities yep. to to win and then you got to take advantage of them mm-hmm. so what has that been like you, you know what what do you think kind of went into starting to get the chances uh because charlie crawford was kind of the first like yeah. mainstream like God made a bunch of NFR right. like qualifications that you got, right? Yep. So for you, like that journey to to get to that spot of going from, hey, you, you know, you're you're starting to rodeo and figure it out and you've got a good horse mm-hmm. and, and things are going good. But what what do you think has got to come into play to to kind of get to the kind of breakthrough or more or less? Yeah, you know, it's it is a long it's a long road. I mean, I, I bought my card in 2014 and didn't make the finals till 20. So I was six years and not saying that I was good enough to make it when I first started. I was, I didn't rope good enough, but man, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of nights that I've sat with Breeley because I knew God laid it on my heart that this is what I wanted to do. This is what I wanted to do since I was big enough to even realize what rodeo was five, six years old. I wanted to make the NFR and, and I knew that God had laid it on my heart, but I'm not going to lie. There's been several nights, you know, that <laughs> so, you just lay there, you're thinking, several. I don't even, I don't feel like I'm making any progress. Not necessarily in the partner department, but just you're roping. It's like, man, you just feel like you're spinning your wheels, you know? And, and I know as cliche as it sounds, but 
if you want something bad enough and you work at it and you go about it the right way and not be a knucklehead, you know, if you're a guy that tends to your business and tries to handle yourself in the right way, stay on top of your business and work at your roping harder than any of that and get good horses, you can make it. It may take a while and you may, it may, you may think at, cer at certain points it's taken too long, but I think the worst thing that I've had to deal with that I, I had to to tell myself to quit doing is comparing. You can't you can't look at somebody else and compare their career to your career because the moment you start comparing the way you rope or the you know how fast they made it to to where they are, that's the worst thing you can do because everybody's got a different path. You know somebody's somebody's path may be shorter than yours to get to making the finals or getting to a certain number, you know, whatever, whatever your goals might be. But if you start comparing, that's doing nothing but hurting yourself, in my opinion. And that's something I struggled with for a while, you know, and you look at guys that started the same time as you and were having much more su earlier success than I was. And, but that's all part of God's plan, you know, and, and looking back now, I wouldn't have traded any of it because there was a lot of lot of stuff I needed to learn. Still have a lot left to learn, but you know I can look back now and and take a lot of stuff away from those years where I thought I was spinning my wheels. But that was all just part of the process, you know, and and what goes into making you be where you are today. Well, a while—that's the thing. Like to us, a while is like six months right and i think a year seems like a, a terribly long time mm -hmm. but when you start i think if you put it in perspective like all right well if i'm going to work at it and i'm I'll, i'm willing to stay with it for four five six seven eight nine ten years mm -hmm. and then see where i'm at yeah then i think it kind of puts things it makes it a little more attainable feeling and you don't don't quite have that like pressure right? yeah yeah for sure like, your expectations aren't as i mean yeah, you give your, you, you realize, I mean, that people have to realize that in this sport, this profession, there's so many guys that rope good, you know, that, like you said, it may take a while for you to get your chance, your opportunity, but, but there's still things that I draw back now on things whenever me and you roped in 2016. I mean, there's still steers that we ran that I can remember that I still, draw from to try to help my roping today and so you can't you can't think that some of those years you're not learning if you're not learning then it's not going to help you five years later down the road and that's something that i've tried to and my wife is very good at of not she's helped me with the whole not looking too far ahead just be in the moment try to you know draw from experiences right now learn from it and use that later on down the road. And that's what I've tried to do. And like I said, I, I haven't had near as good a career or one near as much as a lot of people. But in my journey, what's got me to this point is learning stuff that I learned seven, eight, nine years ago when I first started. Well, and being like having that process, it, like I'm willing to learn, try to mm -hmm. get better. Um, so that's one thing too that I think is unique about your roping, right? You've you have your own style mm -hmm. and where you ride your horses and everything like 
it, it looked like it's just rec- like I when I watch you rope, like it's pretty recognizable to like how mm-hmm. you do it, right? So how do you do that as far as like, or how have you tried to attack that as far as making sure that you're adding and learning mm-hmm. and adding to your game, but it's your game first and right. you're not like trying to be like someone else. Right. Because I, I think that's the issue with healers that like, I'm just going to throw this example out there because I think it happens to quite a few guys. Uh, they learn how to catch two feet and they get to about a seven or an eight healer mm-hmm. and they start to understand how to do it. But then they become like so mechanical or so like, like yeah. someone else that it really takes away from their like muscle memory and their reaction. Right. And I think for you, like you can tell like you're so reactive and, and you can heal so many different types of steers fast. And I think that's that's one of the things that's allowed you to do it is you've really been true to like yourself, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. how have you, you know, how has that kind of came together really? Yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, everybody's, I feel like I kind of got to that point in my roping where I could catch a lot of steers by two feet. And I remember even being back in high school when I was at home and, and a lot of guys, you know, and I've got my friends out here that I talk about my rope and a few, a few people that I kind of like to, I feel like my thinking lines up with their thinking on some things, but I probably draw more, maybe it's because I've ran more steers with him than anybody else. But my dad is kind of who I talk to a lot about my roping you know and and our styles aren't anything the same it's i don't really say i rope like him but he kind of maybe because he's the one that taught me how to heal our way of thinking lines up like as far as position and stuff like that and so there was there was points in my career even back when i was in high school where i could catch them by two feet and could catch a lot i could catch almost all of them by two feet over there on the fourth fifth jump and i had that mind frame of just wanting to catch And at the time I thought he was being, you know, too hard or, you know, kind of a pain in the neck because he was wanting me to step up. But he's like, what's the point in following him over there, healing him all on the fourth or fifth jump? You're not going to win nothing over there. If you're, if you're already in eight, there's no point. If you can catch them all over there, let's, let's, you know, push it a little bit and see if you can't catch. And I just remember him always pushing me and never being content, you know, never, never having a, satisfied mindset because that just i think even even today in my rope and a guy's got to be looking where he can advance and take the next step but at this point i've been doing it long enough that a lot of that muscle memory my style should be habit you know like my style and and that stuff i don't have to think about anymore as far as my swing and and you know the way you know, the way that I have my, I don't really think about that much and maybe I should be better at it. But as far as like the way my swing is and, you know, some of that real minute mechanical stuff, I don't think as much about that. I'm more or less thinking about where I need to get my horse at in the turn. If I feel, if I, I feel like if I can get my horse to a certain spot in the turn, I can catch. I can do the rest from there. It's where I struggle is if I don't get in the same spot consistently or get in a good spot. And so, yeah, I think that there's a there's a fine line of getting too mechanical and trying to draw from other people and model your roping after them, which is fine. I mean, there's some guys that are very textbook, and I've went through it. I've tried to kind of 
model myself after that. I'm telling you, I look up two weeks later <laughs> and I can't do good. I can't, can't do stuff that I used to be good at, you know, cause I'm so mechanical and thinking about too many things. And as far as healing, in my opinion, there are so many variables. If you're trying to cover a lot of variables, you're trying to think of a lot of different things. It'll take away from the stuff you're already naturally good at. And I tell people that all the time that come ask for pointers or for lessons. I'll watch them run 10 steers and never say a word just to see kind of what's natural to them and then pick a few things and be like, all right, this is what we're going to work on because that other stuff, you already do that pretty good. And so I don't want to break down too, too much of it because you get thinking about too many different things and it gets hard to catch. Right. Well, and I think for you too, that's, it kind of puts you in that, that mindset, like, uh, was it Super Tuesday that we talked after after that high caller uh, a few years ago for Maybe. for Colton? Like, yeah, and I missed. Yeah, I but yeah. I remember just talking to you about like the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, like you had high call. Yep. Steer step left. Yep. And then Colton did a good job keeping him off the wall. Yep. But it was one of those runs that he looked like he was going to be pulling him up the wall, mm-hmm. and you kind of you 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 said this, but you you press too hard yep. at that point. Yep. But you just just like how you analyze it, like from that perspective, okay, well, this is how I got into this. This is why mm-hmm. I thought that way, because this is what normally happens here. Yeah. And you made like and it just like allows you to think rationally through yeah. like what you did in your performance. And yeah. then you can feel like, I mean, in that situation, I don't even know if you can even change anything. You know right. what I mean? Like I right. I think like Obviously, you probably could have went one more swing and caught him. Mm-hmm. But to know that in the at the time, if you yeah. went one more swing and he stepped left, you would have cost yourself the rope. And, right. and right. so it's like little things like that, like not tearing yourself down yeah. over making mistakes right. as opposed to just like looking at it realistically. Like, okay, well, I had the decision yeah. to make. That, and, and that's, you know, that's the reason I thought that. And Long, that's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was bummed or whatever that I had a chance to win the open and I didn't. But if you can look at it and it makes sense after the run, you're like, this is the reason I thought this. That's why I went about it. I can live with that. What what drives me nuts is whenever you get through the run and you're like, what the heck happened? It was a blur. You know, what, what the heck happened? If that's the, if that's what you're asking yourself, then you're not, you weren't zoned in. You weren't thinking clearly as it was. But like that particular run, don't get me wrong. I whacked him. I mean, I mean it was for first. <laughs> Colton did a great job and I just flat out missed. But after the run, before I even watched a video or anything, it's like, this is what I felt. That's This is why I took that approach. Went back and watched the run and it looked about like it felt. It's like, yeah, I probably should have took another swing. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, I didn't know that at the time it was going to shape up quite like that, and had you know, I end up having an extra jump probably to get a get to get a throw. I can live with that, you know. I was like, I, I I don't feel like I had the wrong approach. Yeah, I I end up taking the wrong throw, but I felt like I had a plan before that. When it gets kind of scary or like concerning is when you have a black spot in the run. Yeah, you're like I don't know why. Yeah, exactly. Right it's just there. like all blur, and you're like. I don't even really remember even what I saw. That's whenever it's like, that's, you need to assess something ain't, something ain't right. If you can't, if you're obviously not thinking throughout the run, if that's the mentality or that's what you're 
assessment is after the run. And that particular, and that don't get me wrong, that happens from time to time still to me. But that run, you know, it was like, I didn't ever feel that. I, I missed, I didn't do a very good job, but it was, this is why I did that because I felt like this is what was happening. And right. I just judged wrong. Is there something that you go to like on a regular basis to slow the run down? You know what I mean? Like to like to like kind of recreate that. Like I I I don't know exactly how to to frame that up as far as like what it like mentally it like just feels slow to you. Like you can kind of see everything. Is mm -hmm. there something that you kind of go to like with what you feel or where you're trying to ride to that helps that? Yeah, I mean. Uh all the time, even today, whenever I go home and practice, I, I try to have the same, it's something I think about a lot. If I can get what I call behind the steer, if I can get in a good spot, whether it's jackpot or rodeo, if I can get square behind the steer, I can catch and I catch most all of them. But sometimes, you know, whether I let my, you know, whether I tell my, tell my horse or I let my horse to leak in a little bit early and you get what I call in at a bad angle, get too tight and not be square behind the steer. So when the steer's taking the jump away, your loop and your slack and everything works the same or works the right way, you know, then that's whenever I run into trouble. And so I try to just, I would call it keep my spacing and stay off of the steer and get behind them is what, if I can get to those two spots, I can, you know, live with the results and usually the results are pretty good. But right. You know, a lot of times, even slipping legs or a lot of that stuff hinges off of, in my opinion, position that you're in. You can, guys are ropey with their, are real handy with their rope. And that's something that I would say I'm not as, not as gifted as some. You know, I, I can't, I'm not as handy with my rope as some guys are. I can't pull off some of the amazing shots unless I'm in a good spot. If I can get in a good spot, I can, I can catch, you know, and, and catch consistently, but where I think a lot of guys, you know, not necessarily, I mean, there's just, there's guys that are really handy that rope really good, but will miss steers and slip legs on steers, not because of the way that their loop hit down there, but more or less the spot they were in, which made their loop hit that way. And so it's not really a delivery problem. It's a riding problem, which is my opinion, 90% of the battle. If you can, when you get to our level, I mean, and even, even at a guy that's still learning how to heal, I tell people all the time, if you can get, obviously there's some things you have to be able, you have to be able to see the timing of the jump to be able to catch consistently. You can't throw when the feet are down. It doesn't matter how good a swing you got. It's not going to work. But if you can time the steer up and you got a pretty good swing, if you can get in the same spot time and time and time again, your gun, your percentages will go up. But most people can't turn in in the same spot every time. And that's where problems start to arise. Well, I think there's a, for anyone that's wanting to really get something out of that good, like I, I just want to summarize this because I, I think it's very important to understand. I think a lot of us on the ground can catch the dummy pretty good. Mm -hmm. So the closer we can get that feel mm -hmm. to where it's on the ground and for like healing, that's getting to that position right and creating and being able to match momentum mm -hmm. throughout the turn. That's like, that's such a big challenge. But if you can start finding those spots, mm -hmm. that's where you can like really build on it. And yeah. 
And if that's your focus point right there, well, then it makes it pretty easy to be in the moment and be reactive, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's a just kind of a a way to find that, especially for someone in in those pressure situations or when you really need to lock it in. I think that's right. that's something to to understand. Like, hey, this is this should be a foundation of what yeah you have because I think most professional healers that's what they're gonna they're gonna say. Yeah, they've got their spot and where they like to put their horses and where they like to heal them. Yeah. And they're just trying to get there. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's talk failure. You know, this is something I just, I, I constantly bring up throughout podcasts, but I, I think there's so much to failure and I think um, understanding how, like what it actually does. And to me, it just continues to bring up like failures really help you get to mm-hmm. the next step. So for you, what was kind of the big, like, Hey, I'm, I'm not where I'm, I want to be failure at the time or one of like a big letdown, but maybe turned into something big or helped you down the road? You know, I, I don't, I think it just, I don't know if there was any one big, you know, signature moment. Like I told you that, that time, whenever we were roping that, that was a switch where I adjusted my line of thinking. Yeah. But I would say just, up until that point, you could look, look back and I, you know, I had been rodeoing for two or three years and, and just hadn't, obviously you could look back at the way you're going about it. And it's like, I'm not progressing at the right or where I want to be. I'm not going at the right trajectory. You know, I'm not getting better fast enough. Something's not right. So you got to be willing to change. I don't think, I don't think a guy can get stuck, stuck in his ways of thinking. A guy's got to be willing to adapt a little bit um like i said i don't know if there was any ever one big signature moment to where it was a me- epic failure because that's something i've tried to you know something my dad's put into me since i started as a little kid is you can't let the highs be too high and the lows be too low and so you got to have a, a even way a li- even mind frame mindset of of looking at it and you know, I, I think that that day at Sheridan was probably the closest thing to a moment to where it's like, I'm going to have to change because this is not, that's not the right way of thinking. It wasn't, I didn't change my swing or anything like that from the first year to the second tier st- steer at Sheridan, but it was just, I need to, I need to be more aggressive and a more aggressive approach has just helped me immensely. And now you know, I might be an aggressive healer, but I feel like I still, I, I want to be the healer that isn't dictating to throw fast every time. I still got maybe that catch, catcher mentality to where if I need, if this one has to be caught by two feet, I want my partner to be able to rely on me that he, I don't have to, he's not going to be throwing no matter what first jump that I can I be an aggressive healer, but be the guy that guy can count on. This one has to be caught by two feet. He'll catch him. Yeah. Just being like, letting it be natural. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's the biggest thing I wanted to communicate is I feel like your healing is so natural, right? Like there's not, not a lot that you fight, even like your horses, mm-hmm. even just talking about how you train them and how mm-hmm. it wor- like they work. Everything seems to flow, mm-hmm. you know, and always stay with the run. And, uh, and I think that's, that's one of those things like, 
even a, a catcher, like to, mm-hmm. to still pull the trigger and catch, it still feels aggressive when you're throwing your rope down right. there. Like you can't hesitate mm-hmm. when you heal one. So it doesn't really matter if you're open on the first jump or the second or the third. It's still, you're pulling the trigger. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's that's kind of the the thing I, I, I see. It's just, I, I, I mean, I, I agree with it. I think it's uh, understanding you know, what, what you want to do and be able to react. Yeah. Important. And be decisive. Yeah. You know, if you come around there and you see, you see that throw coming to not be indecisive and create, you know, hesitation because healing, you hesitate a little, like you said, you hesitate just that much and things can go from being right where they need to be to being out of whack. And it's the difference of catching or not, or a leg and, and not, you know? And so I feel like having the right mind frame of having a plan through the turn to where you're, setting your horse up and setting yourself up for a high percentage shot but then to where when that shot presents itself you be decisive and you put it down there you know and you and you let all that muscle memory take over and set into place to where you know you make you make the shot and and be willing to live with what happens i mean I, i'm i'm fine with missing i mean that's going to happen but if you feel like you went about it the right way I can live with that. It's whenever you get done and you're like, man, I knew all I had to do was catch. And I rolled in there, not aggressive enough. Because this is stuff that I deal with all the time in my mind. You know, I was like, right. I knew all I had to do was be eight, five on that one to be high team back. And I cruised around there. I had less rope speed than I had all day. And I wasn't aggressive enough. And in turn, I ended up getting beat to the ground and I get the right leg because of it. that's what drives me nuts rather than if I would have just rode through the turn like I had been all day had to be eight not looking to throw on the first jump but if things come around there and he comes together good put it down there you know and if you miss yeah you're bummed but I can live with that because I was trying to win rather than trying not to lose right let's talk about this Bay Hill horse you got Got now just coming off BFI horse. Yeah. Won won the award for Hill Horse at the BFI. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what do you call this bay? Cantina. Cantina. Yep. All right. So obviously, whatever you're seeing in Hill Horse's uh, peers are liking. So <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, what is what is some of the common denominators you're seeing with like your heel horses and what what you want them to feel like and 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 do? You know what I mean? You, you described it with Drago, where it's like he feels like he's always reacting like instantly you know Mm -hmm. when when you move is that it or is it what does it kind of feel like with your heel horses yeah and that's one thing cantina he uh he's a little bit different kind of style of than drago as far as drago's a real cowy horse like real and what i would call is like lay his ears back and hunt the steer like really hunt the steer where cantina's cantina's a little less cowy maybe especially like while he's been real green little more piloting you know you've had to kind of pilot him a little bit more show him you know show him where to be instead of drago was more of a just you know you could kind of let his cow take over and and get you to the right spot but cantina he can he can fly he, he can mortally fly is the fastest heel horse not that i've rode very many but he's the fastest one i've ever rode and so you can get to a good spot and he's got good foot speed. He finds the ground. I, I would say something that him and Drago do is very similar is what I would call is he finds the ground good. So whenever you 
I've rode lots of them, making them or whatever that you, you come in there and if their stride isn't matched up and you put it down, well, you can catch them out of stride and, and it feel rough, you know, get them strung out and yeah. they might have to hit on their front feet one time to get back to their back end. That's something since the day I started him, he's, he's never, he's had great timing is what I would call like his stride matches the steer good. And if you have to take a hot swing or let off, he's, he finds the ground good and he, and he's forgiving. He's not looking to take your throw away either, which I think is as far as a heel horse, they have to have, if one's looking to hit the spot and come off without you telling them that just creates more problems. And that's something he's, I'd love to say that something that I trained and put into it. No, that's just him. He's been very forgiving. And I've just felt like I've just tried to just pattern him, let him know, because he's got lots of buttons. I mean, he's, he's just seven. He's still green, but he's got lots of buttons. And so he's the kind that he's a lot better when he's tired, you know, saddled every day. He's saddled right now at home. I mean, he's, <laughs> you know, he's, he can't stand prosperity right now. Yeah. And so he's best when he's tired and, and getting rode. And so, you know, just dulling him is going to be the biggest deal. I think, you know, over, I'm really excited to see over the summer. I took him last summer and rode him as a second horse and won on him. I mean, he was, he was really green last year. This yeah. time last year, he had not been to a rodeo, not been to one. I was, taking him to circuit rodeos in Oklahoma in the month of May, trying to just get him to a point where I thought he could be good enough to take as a second horse because he had such a good feel, but he was so green. And so this time last year, he had not been anywhere other than the rope horse futurity the year before as a five-year-old. That was the first place he'd ever been. And I started kind of taking him to ropings this time last year, took him to a few circuit rodeos, ended up taking him out there one pretty good on him one baker montana on him i mean one pretty good on him when i had to ride him and so i'm really excited this summer to he's going to get m the majority of the runs um drago's not he's kind of on a pitch count is what i'd call it now he's not just you know at my disposal at, at any and all times and so cantina's going to get a lot more of it but i think I'm excited for it though, because I think that's exactly what he needs. He needs, he needs to just to be thrown in there. I mean, he's to the point now where he's solid enough, and I really think that hopefully by the end of the summer, he'd be a, he'd be a pretty good horse. Because I think he's he's there, he's on the cusp of it right now. But I really feel like just more runs will be exactly what he needs, and so that's what he's going to get. Right. Well, and you know for people listening we're gonna go ahead and dive into a rundown here in a minute from from that like from the match open that we just did and a mm -hmm. few like just runs that we have of that horse i was like this sucker mm -hmm. has got the tools mm -hmm. and and there's a lot to him and i think that's this is what's kind of unique with like what you're talking about is i feel like a lot of guys when they train they want them to be a certain way and and do this and 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 have it and to me you've just described two completely different styles of mm -hmm. horses that you're just kind of showing them where you want to be, mm -hmm. right? And so it's just trying to help those horses find that. And I think that's what's kind of unique about what you've been able to do so far with your, you know, your heel horses and, mm -hmm. and how you train them. Yeah, is you're taking it doesn't have to be this freak athlete. Yeah, 
That's what, and I think that's something, I mean, I think that there's, that's something that I've drawn from other healers too, is is there's some healers that, I mean, for example, Jade, I mean, it's no secret how good he rides a horse. I mean, rides a heel horse and I wouldn't say mine's exactly like his, but he's, he's one that I try to model the way I ride my horse as far as getting in a good spot. He's so good at getting in a good spot to where really no matter what kind of go he gets, he still gives himself a good chance to catch where if a steer posts up and comes together for the first jump, he's there to heal him. If the, if the turn's a little rougher and it requires another swing, he's in a, he's put himself in a good enough spot going down the arena to where he's got enough forward momentum to be able to push through that and heal him when the steer's ready to be healed. And so I think that's part a big part of something I've tried, not, not near as good as he is, but something I've tried to put into my horses, making them is if you can put them in a, in a good enough spot to where they don't, they don't have to make a freakish athletic move to give you a throw on the first jump, put them in a good enough spot before the turn to where once they realize where they need to be, then it's, it's an easier turn for them. I mean, everything works better and easier just by you putting them in a, not such a tough spot. Right. I mean, it's obviously starting to work there. It has been working. And I think that's a, it's, it's good when you get to, to try that out, know mm-hmm. that that's what's working and, hey, this is what I want to do because mm-hmm. it seems like you can recreate it. You know what I mean? And it just, right. just takes time. And yeah. you obviously got to have the right type of horses. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure, you know, you've right. got a few horses at your house but and, and go through them a little bit to get to the special ones. Yeah. But you can, it doesn't take just one specific type to, right. to be able to compete on them. You know, it's, and that's, that's something I'll, I'll never forget. A couple of years ago, I was riding around with Corey Petska and he, he was, I was riding Drago and he was like, you know, talking about how good a horse he was and everything. He said that, he said, that's something, he said, that's something that he had to, you know, he had realized, he said, you may have another good horse after Drago, but there'll never be one that works just like him. And so you may have another great one, but they'll be different. And so if you can kind of ride them generally in the same spot, the odds of you being able to find another horse that you can catch on is you know are higher and so i mean he said i mean he had he's had lots of good horses but chumbly he said he's never had another one that felt exactly like him he's had other really good horses but every horse is going to be different and so i'm never going to get exactly drago again but i feel like if i can have the right approach as far as making my horses and putting them in good in in certain spots like you said you got to have the right kind of horses they have foot speed and everything but you can, your career won't just be based off of one horse, you know, not just, well, that, when that horse was done, that guy was done, you know? And so that's something that I've not wanted to be my story. You know, I wanted to have a career longer than what Drago lasted and that's still to be decided, you know, but that's something that I think the best guys with the longest, most successful careers were able to, adapt you know and that rode the right kind of shape to be able to ride more than one horse absolutely and uh i think this is goes back to hey this is why all the the losing at the beginning and struggle Mm -hmm. is really important 
so that you don't get the one horse and just get comfortable and not try to to be ready because it is like right now you're you're set up to keep going and mm -hmm. and that's because of the work ethic and mm -hmm. you know and that's been ha that's had to have happened over the last three or four years you right. know and and so those are starting to like pay off and it's and i think that's what helps give the career aspect to to the rope and it was when you're when you have that 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 mindset of yeah. just constantly working at it for sure i agree logan you want to add anything else right here before we wrap up this podcast i guess you know thanks what, for having what, me what's what social media channels do you find yourself most active on uh <laughs> facebook you're on facebook huh facebook and instagram myspace still you got a myspace account you know it's not as active as it was <laughs> but uh yeah you know that's something i'm trying to get better at that's not really something that i've been real you got it comfortable you, i guess would be the word with but you know there's so much so much of the world operates on that now and so for sponsors and and you know that that side of it that's something that i have gotten better at oh yeah I still need to get still have work to do i'm not as tech savvy or as good as some but you know, that's something that I realized that the world and especially our industry evolves a lot around. And so that's something I've tried to get better at. Well, I feel like uh, your your social media manager does pretty well with your accounts. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. Miss, Miss B takes yeah, Miss care B of it. Miss B takes care of it. Yeah. The, don't, yeah, it's not exactly me, but yeah, she's, yeah, she's definitely the one to tip the hat to for sure. I, I really, uh, I do, uh, I do find the posts quite interesting, <laughs> especially about five or six years ago. Uh -huh. so. Yeah. Yeah. I'd just rather not even talk about those. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks. I, I do appreciate you coming on it was it was pretty fun to to just kind of hear your perspective on these things and uh you know because i kind of i kind of experienced your career right at the beginning kind mm -hmm. of and so to see where it's at now and to to watch it evolve and just to see you stay so even throughout it you know what i right. mean like it's just has constantly progressed and your healing has gotten better and better mm -hmm. and uh to, to watch that all work's been pretty impressive so congratulations thanks for having me yeah thank you